Welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast, where you'll learn how to structure terms and use various creative financing strategies to create profitable deals for short and long-term wealth. Whether you're a buy and hold investor, wholesaler, or flipper, learning creative financing will help you do more deals and unlock profits that you may not even know existed. On the Creative Financing Podcast, we break down actual deals we and our guests are doing and simplify the methods and terms used to execute these strategies. Now, let's dive in and create some terms. Hello and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gallegos, here with Jeff Rappaport. Today, guys, we're going to be talking about um, a question, actually, that that we got from one of our listeners, and how do you deal with repairs when it comes to creative financing? Um, and so we're going to talk about repairs, um, how to kind of estimate them um, or get a ballpark. And then, you know, it really depends on your exit strategy as well. And then um, we're going to talk about negotiating repairs a little bit, right, Jeff? We're going to talk more about how how to use, what, what kind of creative financing can you feel comfortable in using when, once you've determined, you know, the condition of a property? Okay. So, um, as you guys may know, I flip houses. Um, and so I will just kind of uh, touch on how I deal with repairs when it comes to flipping houses. And really what I've done um, that is, you know, fairly accurate for me is I, I just base it on square footage. So if I'm just doing paint and carpet, um, I have a number that I will, I just times the square footage by like $17. Um, if I'm just doing, you know, a, a lipstick remodel. Um, if it's more intensive, we're doing a lot more things. Uh, I will times this square footage, uh, by say $22 a square foot. Or, you know, if we're doing, everything on the house. We're doing a new roof, um, a new HVAC system, water heater, um, uh, you know, major electrical or plumbing, uh, all times at all times at the square feet by $25 a square foot. And that kind of puts me in the ballpark. Um, and that's, that's, you know, proven to be uh, pretty accurate <coughs> for me, uh, in, in my business and, um, you know, using the contractors that I have. So I just wanted to start off with that. Um, and then now we'll, give it over to Jeff here and we can talk about how it relates to creative financing. I think that's, I, I do the same thing. Our, our numbers are probably slightly different, but I would trust your numbers over mine because you're using them to, to rehab houses rather than me who's using them to wholesale houses. Uh, and those numbers will vary depending on where you are in the United States. Yeah, very important. L labor can be more or less. I mean, materials are typically the same or close to being the same, but I can tell you uh, costs may be more based on where you are. And best way to figure this out is go chat with you know a handful of rehabbers and find out well, what do they typically pay for a, a light remodel, a medium remodel, or a heavy remodel. And uh, most of them will either be able to give you a price per square foot, that they should be able to. Uh, yeah. Whether that's the way they figure it out or not, that they should be able to, you know, be able to give you that. And uh, that's a quick, easy way. And then you'll quickly find out when, 
if you are wholesaling, whether you're in that ballpark or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan, are you ever wrong on repair es- repair estimates? Yeah, yeah, sometimes, yeah. I'm not sure um, I've ever been right. I, I just yeah. got to close. Um, it seems like they always cost more than we budget, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, as long as you have that, that as long as you're in the ballpark and you have some kind of contingency, um, I, I would say that, and I, I always have about a 3% contingency, um, you know, 3% of the, the after repaired value kind of has my contingency. So. Okay. Uh, and when we say in the ballpark, uh, if I estimate repair costs to be 35, uh, could you say you think the repair costs could be 45? Yeah. I, I mean, happens all the time. I mean, we were just talking before uh, we got on the podcast about uh, I have a property that I have two very experienced investors that have gone and seen. And one said, hey, the repairs are 15 to 20. And the other one said 100. Yeah. <laughs> That's huge. <laughs> it's a big difference. Um I, I absolutely think the hundred is way off, and uh, you know I'm thinking more like twenty five. Um, but I, to some degree, this is you know a, a, a guessing game, an educated guessing game. Yeah. And uh, as a rehabber, I'd want to be a little more sure about my numbers. As a wholesaler, I just want to be. Uh, I, I want to have a good reputation. So if I'm putting how much work a property needs, I want to be in that ballpark. Now, if I say it needs 35 and you come in at 40, no one's going to to have an issue with it. Yeah, me. exactly. That's, uh, that's, being, that's in the ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you know, they think it needs 60 and I'm at 35, now they're going to start questioning whether you know, I'm sending out stuff that's, you know, I, I don't really know what I'm doing. Yeah. So what I really want to talk about today, though, is how do we determine what we can do with owner financing in relation to how much work a property needs? And uh, it's a touchy subject because uh, I, I don't know that I can give you an absolute answer. And so what I'm going to try to do is break it down a little bit. Yeah, there's not one because it, it. I mean, there's a lot of factors into it. Like, who's your end buyer going to be, and yep. what what down payment do they want? Because that's huge, right there, right? If they want too much, and you got to, they want fifty thousand dollars down, and the, the property still needs fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, it probably doesn't make sense. Yep. So what what I want to do is start with, and let, let's try to create some categories and. Uh, you can do this however you want. You could have a heavy, a medium, and a light rehab. Uh, I, I like to have like excellent condition where it's it's pristine, it, it's updated, it's nice. Um, you know, it, it it probably hasn't just been rehabbed, but it's been very well taken care of. Uh, it will show very well. It it would be close to if not retail ready. Uh-huh. Uh, then I would say good condition, um, uh, same property, except maybe, uh, it hasn't been updated in the last 15 or so years. Yeah. In our area, you might see more like Oak cabinets as compared to like the white shaker cabinets. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have Formica or, you know, or, um, 
corian instead of granite or quartz mm-hmm. um you know maybe bathrooms aren't totally updated um but it's clean it's in good working condition and it, it it's in good condition average condition um might be you know just a couple of steps below so you know, maybe there's a couple of holes in walls, you know, that need some patching. Uh, maybe there's some carpet that perhaps needs to be replaced. It's either dated or just old. Um, you know, maybe it's a color scheme. Uh, um, yeah, it's it's certainly livable, but it doesn't show as well. And uh, and then let's say below average, which would be that same thing but let's say it's even older you know you've got the pink or blue tubs you've got the um the parquet floor you've got the colorful ceramic tile yeah and then you've got repairs too on top of it right like carpet um yeah maybe it's uh the furnace is really old or you know the hvac looks like it's ancient um uh you know that kind of stuff where it's still livable, but now it's really not, it doesn't show well at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to me that, that would be the kind of, you know, the, the average and below average are probably uh, you're looking, if you were looking at what numbers you were saying, probably that 17 to $22 range rehab kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the rehab, the one that needs a lot of work. So it's beyond just uh, cosmetics. It's, uh, you know, it, maybe it's got a funky layout. It needs a roof. It's, uh, um, you know, it's leaking in the basement, um, you know, stuff like that where, yes, I've seen people live in that, but um, probably people are living in it. But, uh, you know, if you had it and you were putting it back on the market and people had a choice, they wouldn't live in it. Right. Uh, so I, I like to kind of categorize uh, my properties and try to figure out about where they would fall. Now, keep in mind, I make most of the decisions based on not even the conversation that I've had, but a conversation that someone else on my team has had with the seller gathering, you know, that information for me. And then I'm making assumptions based on that information. Is it possible that the seller isn't telling me the truth? Yeah. Constantly. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Even if they're doing it unintentionally, because, you know, what, what's the, what's the response out of a seller's mouth when you say, so what kind of condition is the property in? Good. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? That's I've lived, pretty much I've lived here for 40 years. I haven't put any money into it at all. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, well, good's not enough. You've got to dive a little deeper <laughs> into this. Like, Hey, when was the kitchen and bath last updated? You know, how old's the roof? Um, yeah. what about the furniture HVAC? Um, uh, when the last time you did some paint, carpet, flooring? And, uh, so we, we, we want to get a little better idea. Good's not going to get it done. Uh, yeah, and you really, you really have to run the sellers through that. Okay, when's the last time you updated this, the roof, the, the HVAC? How's the paint and carpet? Is there tile in the kitchen and baths? Because you know? uh, if it works, they'll just say, good. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to dig a little deeper. It's important. Um, if you're not going to see this property ahead of time, which we don't almost never all the time, uh, yeah. we are basing our decisions on the information that we get mm -hmm. and then we're going to go verify it. And, uh, so I'm going to make the best assumption that I can make. And that is, is that I'm going to, if someone tells me, yeah, you know, it's been a rental for the last 10 years. Uh, it, you know, it's good. Um, it, it's in good condition. I'm going to think it needs some work. Uh, uh, that seller probably hasn't been in the house uh, a whole lot and maybe not for years. And uh, they're, they're going based off of, you know, I don't know what they're going off of. Yeah. So I, I'm going to put in my mind that, Hey, that this is going to need at least a 10 to $20 a square foot type of repair cost to get it to more retail ready. Mm -hmm. um, now rent ready, it might only be you know five to $10 depending on you know what it is and where it is. And so we now understand what, we're putting some amount or some kind of value to what we think the repair costs are. And now we've got to figure out how do we structure our terms, including that. Okay? Mm -hmm. So let, let, let's go through um, the different categories I just gave you and who they would probably be best suited for. Okay. okay. So, an excellent property. I mean, excellent, pristine. Retail buyer. Yeah, exactly. Owner occupant, right? Yeah. It's not really. It's it's certainly not a rehabber, um, and it's probably not a rental. Although every once in a while, maybe it's got a mother-in-law that can bring in extra income. Maybe they've got it priced a little under market. Who knows? But first thing that would go through my mind is the same that went through yours. Owner occupant. Yep. Good condition. Maybe not totally you know, renovated or updated. Owner, occupant, or landlord. Correct. I would totally agree. Um, uh, average condition. You know, maybe rent ready. You know, maybe need a little work to get it rent ready. Um, dated. More, of the, more on the investor side, but you could still find an owner occupant. Um, so a landlord. I would agree. Um, and is it, first of all, before we go any further, are there going to be an exact, I mean, uh, are you going to say, Hey, I just found a property. I think it's an average condition. I'd like to sell it to a landlord. Um, the numbers still have to work. Right. Right. Um, and you've got to get to the right landlord because if they figure Hey, I, not only do I have to put down 30,000 down payment or wh whatever it is that you're asking, and I've now got to put another 30,000 into the property, what's my cash on cash return going yeah. to be? The numbers still have to work, right? Correct, yeah. Okay. And it's possible that you try to sell it to an owner-occupant, and for whatever reason, people don't like the setup, the layout, the the smell of the house, the the amount of work that they may have to do, the, the location. So there's not an exact, but yeah. um, I, I like how quickly you're like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay, so below average condition, 
Um, needs updating, flooring, paint, um, uh, probably hasn't been updated in 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, who do you think might be your, your buyer? A rehabber, or you could still find a, a landlord if the numbers, if the cash flow still works. Yeah, I think we're starting to get away from the owner occupant. Yeah, yeah. When it when it requires, I would say, and of course it depends on um, the purchase price. But if you're if you're looking for, or if uh, if a owner occupant's looking at a property and they have to spend more than ten thousand, you're probably moving away from what what an owner occupant would would buy. Totally agree. But again, that's that's but, not a hard and fast. Could you sell? To an owner occupant, could you find an owner occupant yeah. that would take this house? You could. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. But, I, I, I totally but then agree. it becomes uh, even more difficult. I agree. Okay, the rehab, the one that needs you know a lot of work. So uh, a rehab or a flipper, most likely, and on occasion maybe even a landlord. Mm -hmm. um, and when I say that. Here's why a landlord might be interested in that property. So let, let's say that you have a $200,000 property, right? And it needs $40,000 in work. And let's say that you can buy it for $120,000. Mm -hmm. So for a rehabber, um, that's kind of right at the cusp, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty close. And if I wanted to wholesale that, I, I might not even have enough room to, you know, I'm probably only going to make a few thousand dollars. But what, what if I sold it to a landlord and they went and they put in $40,000 and then they refinanced? So yeah, it's beautiful. using the Burr method, right? So the bigger pockets, um, Burr method, the buy, the rehab. rehab rent, refinance, repeat. Uh -huh. Now you would be able to pull out all your money minus maybe 10 grand. So now you've got 10 grand into this, but you've got a fully updated property. So it might be something that would be very, a landlord might be very interested yeah. in if the rents were then to support, you know, the value and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Cash on cash return. When you have less money in a property, what's going to happen to your cash on cash return? It goes up. Absolutely. It increases. Yep. So, um, so that that's the first thing is I wanted to look at the categories and right away, Jonathan, you you knew right away like who would this be best suited for? Yeah. Doesn't mean that it's an absolute, but can we talk about one more? Yeah. Uh, sure. So a, a dilapidated house that just needs to be torn down, but. Um, has a zoning uh, that has a something other than just residential one. Um, so that, that buyer would be a developer if you know any kind of developers. Yeah. Um, so I, I just wanted to throw that in cause you might, you know, you, I'm sure you're going to get a lead out there somewhere along the wall. Well, and so um, what kind of financing would we want to go after with the seller on a property like that? Long term. No, not necessarily. We'd probably only want, you know, a year, um, yep, uh, enough time for someone to go in, get the zoning changed, knock down the building. And then, yep, they're, they're looking at getting a construction loan and getting it cashed out. They're, they're really more concerned about that year, uh, 12 to 18 months, whatever that may yeah, be. Of doing permitting and rezoning. Just the yeah. holding costs, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. hard money would be, you know, wouldn't be good to have for, yeah. 
know, 12, 18 months. Right. So, okay. And as far as the rehab one, um, we're probably looking short term, whether we want to sell to a rehabber that would go fix up the property, right? Yeah. Or a buy and hold. And maybe we want to structure it for 12 months or 14 months um, for the, the buy and hold because some lenders have what's called seasoning issues. They want to see that you've owned it for six months or a year, that, that you've actually increased the value, you've gotten the value up. Um, that's something that you, you talk to mortgage brokers about and they will tell you what the different requirements are, but 12 months should be plenty um, for most lenders across the country. Mm -hmm. But again, so for that rehab, I only need short-term financing, six months to a year, right? Yeah. Below average could be very similar to that. Um, Do we, the more work a property needs, the less time that we want, the, 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 the less of a term that we need. That would be Think about this for a second. Let's say this. Let's say that you have a $300,000 home and you offered a down payment of 15 grand, right? Uh-huh. And let's say that um, the property is, uh, you know, it needs $40,000 in work. And let, let's say it's worth 450000 when it's done. Mm-hmm. Do you really want to keep all of that money in this property? I mean, if you end up having, let's say, seventy, sixty thousand dollars into this property, um, but you've got a ten-year term with you know, decent rate, four percent rate um, for ten years, uh, would the preference be to? leave your money in this for the next 10 years because that's what you would have to do right if if you're getting longer term financing from the seller yeah and the answer is no i mean you don't want to you don't want to tie up your cash reserves so it wouldn't make it would make more sense to get great terms for a short period of time get that value up and then refinance and pull most, if not all of your money back out. Now you have little to no money in this property, correct? Correct. The more money that it's going to require someone to hold this property, the less important the terms become, especially longer term. You can certainly work something out for six months, 12 months, you know, 18 months, something like that. Mm -hmm. But there's no sense in going like, hey, I want three years or five years or 10 years. Um, unless you're okay leaving all of the money. So the more work it's going to need, the less that I need that longer term kind of financing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, all right. So now as we get into the average condition, the good condition, the excellent condition. So excellent condition stands on its own, right? Excellent and good. Okay. I'm not expecting, I, I, I have a, my main buyer is most likely going to be an owner occupant. So the nicer it shows, the easier it is. Um, I'm looking for at least a three year term to as long as I can get. 
because mm-hmm. the longer term with the, the more attractive, attractive um, terms will sell this property as well as the condition of it. Right. And so I'd want three years. I, I'd probably be okay taking as little as two, but you know, I like three and uh, it would make sense to make offers three years up to you know 10 years, 15 years, wh- wh- whatever the case may be, because you will find owner occupants that will be like, Hey, I can get a 15 year term. Um, you know, I don't have to worry about refinancing you know, or I don't have a W2 income or, uh, you know, uh, I'm from out of the country and you know, all kinds of things mm-hmm. uh, that that's, that's big for them. So excellent condition and good condition are probably going to be, you know, minimum two years uh, on up. Uh, because the longer the term that you can offer these people, the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I figure three years to five years to six years, somewhere in that range is typically enough. Um, but if I could get a longer term, I would. Right. So really where the questions come in are when it's an average condition or below average condition. Yeah. Uh, how do you deal with that? Yeah. yeah. So, um, and this is very subjective, but average would be, and we talked about this. This is the, the video that I made on this house. So when I got gathered the information, I heard, hey, the kitchen needs a little bit of work. Um, it's a little bit dated. It's got a mother-in-law apartment. And I was looking at it strictly as this would be a good rental for someone, for a landlord. Yeah. And when I went and saw it, I realized the kitchen was an addition and it had been leaking for like seven, eight years and uh, it's not permitted and most likely it's got to be torn out and redone. And the, the mother-in-law doesn't have a separate entrance and all of a sudden all the, the benefits of it being a rental weren't really a rental. Yeah. Now I was concerned, Hey, this property needs more work than I anticipated. Now I'm thinking it needs forty to $50,000 in work. Will an owner-occupant really be interested in it? And on the surface, my, my answer would have been probably not. Right. right. However, this is how I would tell you. So I'm not, I'm not advocating that you go and put stuff under contract uh, when you're just praying and hoping that it, someone, <laughs> get may, lucky. Yeah, someone may come. Uh, you know, I want you to do it based on your education. But what I did is I went back to the seller and I said, the property needs more work than I anticipated. So we have one of three options. One, we can just terminate our contract and move on and you can continue to try to find a buyer. Two, I work with a large network of investors and I'm pretty good at marketing and I think we're looking for an owner occupant for this. If you wanna give me a little bit of time, I'll spend my time, my resources, trying to find that buyer that will agree to the terms that we agreed to. Um, And if I'm successful, you'll get everything that I told you that you would. Yeah. All you've got to do is be willing to give me some time. Or three, we can modify our agreement. Uh, 
and see if we can it won't fit my buying criteria but it may just fit one of my investors buying criteria mm -hmm. this is yours okay so what we did is we started with i'll give you some time and then we had some people look at it and they're like no you know too much work too much work and then i had one buyer who needed longer term and uh, we had like a six-year term on this and he happened to be in the construction business and could do a lot of the work you know for cheaper than you know someone like me or maybe even you uh, mm -hmm. so it worked for him but I still had to go back and renegotiate some of the terms but now she was open to it because she saw that we were doing work, that we were bringing people through, that she was getting some feedback. And that's, that's my out all the time, especially since I haven't seen the property before we're making the offer. I'm making certain assumptions. Sometimes those assumptions are like, hey, this property's in better condition than I thought. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, it's either about what I thought or worse. Yeah. Uh, I might tell the seller, look, it's, it, it's worse than what I thought. Um, here's, here's what we can do. And uh, so that's how I deal with, with the repairs. But I go into it thinking, these are my potential buyers. Would someone be interested if I can do this? Now, a property that needs more work, um, what should we be, how should we be constructing our offers? Short term. Well, maybe short term, but wouldn't it be less money down? Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. That too. So yeah. we, we might want a less down payment because we've got to put more money into the property. Yeah. Um, we might want more favorable term. We might want a longer term because mm -hmm. it would make more sense for someone to come in and, and, do that it might make more sense to have a lower monthly payment uh, if you've got to go put in all this money to the property yeah, so yeah. these are things that that you might want to adapt to your offers based on how much work you really think the property will need and again if it starts to get into that that rehab phase you're not looking at longer term. You're looking at short term financing. Yeah. And again, it's the average and below average that are going to give you a little hard time because you're not sure if you should set it up. You know, what I like to do is on below average or average condition homes, I'm going to come in under value. So uh, yeah, I'm not offering 400,000 on a property that has an ARV of 400 that they just told me is, you know, hasn't been updated in 50 years, mm -hmm. and, but it's in good shape. It's good. It's good, but you know, no updates. And yeah. I'm not coming in at 400 grand. They're not going to get the ARV in no. that kind of condition. So right. I might come in at 375. I might come in at 360, um, 365, somewhere in that range. But now the rest of the terms are going to be more favorable for me. Mm -hmm. The down payment might be less. The, the interest might be less. The monthly payment's going to be less. I might want a longer term. 
Um, and I might give them a three-year, a five or six-year term, uh, short-term kind of, hey, kind of cash, but uh, if you wait six months, I'll pay a little more than cash. And then the cash offer, depending on what their underlying debt and situation are. But I'm going to go into this thinking that, hey, this property needs work. I'm a solution and I, I've got a number of solutions. Uh, and then once I see it, I can make a determination if I really truly think that this will work. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just to recap and summarize here, you have to categorize it. What's the condition of the property? Is it excellent, good to average, or is it poor? And then based on that, based on those, those three categories, you, you know who your buyer is going to be there. It's going to be a rehabber for the poor condition properties. Um, the average to good, you can, you can find a, um, owner occupant, a retail buyer or a landlord. Um, and if it's on the excellent side, you can still find a, you're definitely more geared towards an owner occupant um, or a landlord if the, the cash flow still works. So yep. that's step number one, categorize the condition of the property. And then that's, that's who your in buyer is going to, then you can de determine who your in buyer is going to be. And then if it's, if it, if it's capital intensive, then you're going to want a shorter term. And um, if you're, uh, trying to sell it to an owner occupant or a landlord, you're going to want a longer term. Like you said, Jeff, I mean, three, three year minimum for, you know, owner occupant or a landlord to as long as you can get. So. Yep. And it, well, sometimes that uh, will you be surprised sometimes like I was on that property that needed 40, $50,000 in work and I was able to sell it to an owner occupant. Yeah. Sometimes you are surprised. Yeah. I, we've talked about before that we structured something that was strictly for an owner occupant, but a landlord bought it. Uh, yeah. I, I yeah. don't know why, but um, so it's not an absolute, yeah. but it's a way to start figuring out how to try to structure your offers based on who you believe will be your buyer. Yeah. Yeah. If I structure offers and I want my buyer, I think my buyer is going to be a landlord but there's no cash flow. I didn't create enough cash flow to make it worth their while. The landlord's not going to buy it. Yeah. exactly. Uh, if I think a rehabber is going to be my buyer, but I don't create enough equity, the rehabber is not going to buy it. Right. Got to have at least some understanding of who our potential buyers may be. Yeah. Yeah. And to our listeners out there, always keep in mind that you you can renegotiate. So like you do, Jeff, you make an assumption of the condition and what it's going to take to repair the property. And then from there you go and inspect it. And if it requires too much work, then, Hey, like you said, Jeff, on that, that house, we got three options here. You can give me more time. Um, uh, I can, I can find a buyer for it. Uh, we can terminate the contract um, or renegotiate. Do you know that when I do that, I, first of all, I don't love doing that. That That's not my favorite thing to yeah, do. And it's never your goal to do you know, that. My, my preference is, is that we'll just get it done based on what we agreed to. But yeah, for sure, uh, you know, the more the market shifts and more people get a little concerned uh, about how the market may shift, uh, it, it will become a little harder to sell properties. And, uh, but what I have found is that sellers, almost always uh, are far more receptive. It's like I've created a connection with them 
And they're far more open to me being totally upfront with them. And most of them say, yeah, I, I want you to take the time or what did you have in mind in terms of you know, modifying the agreement? Very, very few just say, yeah, this just terminated. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know, and John Martinez, who I'm a big fan of, does uh, probably the leading real estate expert in terms of sales. Uh, he teaches sales, would call this falling on the sword, which means that you basically go in and you're distraught. Like, I, I feel like I failed you. I, I, I've, I, I miscalculated. I, I didn't, it's my fault kind of thing. And, yeah. uh, and I don't know, I, I, I just want to make it up to you in any way that I can. Uh, and you, you take full accountability for it. And yeah. uh, you'd be really surprised what happens when you do that kind of strategy. Uh, yeah. Most people are, instead of getting angry and um, frustrated with you, they're like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. oh i forgive you yes exactly <laughs> and and honesty is always the best policy honestly yeah, i'd much rather be up front um and uh i i just assume that if if i'm not going to be the buyer it doesn't fit my buying criteria and mm -hmm. uh i'm going to let the seller know especially when i'm creating terms i mean could you imagine that uh, I had one seller tell me, look, Jeff, I'm open to everything that you've proposed except for one. I only want you to be the buyer. I don't want someone, I don't want you to assign this to someone else. And I said, not a problem. However, we've got to restructure some things and I will be the buyer. Because now I was comfortable being, I will buy the property and then I will resell the property. And we've actually talked about this. This is one where we agreed to a substitution of collateral. And uh, I, he was clear, I was clear. And we came to a meeting of the minds. And it's all because I was up front, he was up front. And now, now we're, we have a very good relationship. And that's really the goal. Although I would tell you, don't have diarrhea of the mouth and start trying to, well, I am not sure if I'm the buyer, I'm the, uh, I might assign it while you're talking to this person for the first time, gathering information. You know, it's like, you know, I'm, uh, we might do contract for deed or subject to, and th this is how this, no, just gather the information, put the offers together and then see where it goes. And, as the relationship builds, now it becomes clear of what you're going to do. Now you're sharing that information. If you get, you start giving all this information up front, you're not going to be happy with your results. Right, right. Awesome. Well, great. Let's uh, wrap it up there. Um, I hope that really answers our, answers the question on how to deal with repairs when using creative financing. Um, and I think we summarized it pretty well and kept it simple. So. Uh, try to it's it's yeah. not exact science yeah yeah and it and it is very uh, it's a it's a complex um part of making deals right how much does how much work does the property need and it is it's it's subjective every time so yep. um guys thanks so much for listening you can reach us 
at uh, on our uh, hotline at the Creative Financing Hotline. Um, you can leave us a question or comment. And if you're out there doing deals like this, you've been a listener for any time now, um, please, please, please reach out to us. Give us a call. We'd like to get you on the show and um, have you be, uh, you know, proof of concept uh, that that you can go out there, you can take this education, you can go out there, and you can um, execute these strategies. So. If that's you, um, or you have any questions for us, comments, whatever, uh, reach out to us, 877-409-8090, 877-409-8090. And you can also text the word creative financing or you know CFP or whatever uh, to that number as well, and you'll receive a link for a video uh, that Jeff put together uh, on, you know, step-by-step -step offer creation um, you know, on uh, one of the houses we were just talking about. So People like it. Yeah. The, the feedback's been super good. People like it. Yeah. And it's, it's very thorough. He takes you, you know, right from his CRM, you know, from Podio and um, he shows you how to comp it and what the market rents are. And, um, and then he takes you through what offers he creates and, you know, he walks you through the numbers. So very good video. So again, text um, creative financing to 877-409-8090 to get the link to that video. Um, and then we're also on Facebook at the creative financing podcast. Um, so you can reach us any of those places. We also have a YouTube channel. So check us out there. Uh, Jeff, any last words? If you've got questions or topic ideas or deal structuring, I mean, call our hotline. I'm happy to chat with you. Uh, we're always looking for good topics to put on our show, keep things interesting for everyone. Yeah. I'm always looking for people to work with. We have two different apprentice programs uh, all over the country and happy to chat with you. Just call the hotline and say that you're interested in, talking and I will give you a call back. Awesome. Okay, guys, till next time, create some term. Thanks for listening to the Creative Financing Podcast. We need your feedback to continue to bring you the best strategies in creative financing. So please subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate your ear and please pass this on. Until next time, create some terms. This show offers general information on creative financing strategies and real estate investments. Nothing contained herein should be considered personal, legal, or financial advice. Every state has individual laws governing the use and type of documents used to execute strategies discussed herein. You should consult with a local licensed real estate broker and attorney before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed, and opinions of the guests are their own. Profits are not guaranteed, and there's always inherent risk in real estate investing.